So it's taken me 73 episodes to get to this point to do an episode like this that I've wanted to do. I've had in the can for a little while, and I've been thinking about the right time to premiere it and show it off and let y'all listen to it. I thought April was a good month because all of a sudden I'm starting to see the annual yearly event of pretty much from April till I think November, some films start to do a two or three day run in theaters. And I thought, huh, okay, I'm going to drop this episode now. Studio Ghibli has a pretty much six month run in theaters, I think from April to the end of the year where they have about... uh, Pretty much all their films, I think all of them, show up. Or maybe it's just the Miyazaki-created films show up in theaters for a couple days. This past month was the 25th anniversary for Princess Mononoke, which we will be talking about very, maybe not very shortly, but in a little bit on this show. Um, And I also want to say, I just called it Studio Ghibli. Now, I wanted to maybe get things right. I know this this, uh, Japanese animation studio has a huge following. And I've been looking up back and forth, just stuff on the internet and whatnot to make sure pronunciation is right. And I know people call it Studio Ghibli. I called it Studio Ghibli. I've called it Studio Ghibli for a while. Um, And they're actually, but then like they show clips of a famous animator, pretty much co-created a studio. Uh, Miyazaki has been saying, um, he says Studio Ghibli. So um, there's a back and forth kind of debate that has... Of what it is, I believe the Japanese um, term of of saying it is Ghibli. Um, I think the Americanized version is Ghibli, um, but it's also there's an origin story of the name for that that comes from airplanes and whatnot, which are a common theme in these films that we see um, from time to time. And uh, and I, I guess there's like an Italian way of saying it. Uh, a Lebanese way of saying that. I don't want to get too far into information. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I have a link in the show notes uh, that goes back and forth with the debate on if it's Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli. Um, for the fact that in you know in Japan they seem to call it Ghibli, uh, I'm gonna go with that. But I might say Ghibli <laughs> just because I'm an American living in Florida and um you know just some white guy who likes japanese animation you know drama films which is what they put out nonstop and i've been a big fan of for in hindsight probably close to 20 years but i was not very fully aware of the films that this studio was churning out for so long um so i wanted to do now that that's behind us so if you want to call me on it fine if if it's up for debate i don't i really don't care i'm not making a stance here on what it is um i know there's diehard fans i'm open to listening and learning and interpreting if it's you want to call it ghibli or ghibli i'll go back and forth just for the sake of not trying to have an argument too much here in the comments section when the uh podcast is posted uh but I wanted to do an episode where I do a sampler of these films and just talk about them. It's just me here today. I had some guests here and there lined up, but schedules fell through. And, you know, some of them were like filmmakers. Some of them were just general fans of these films. And I just couldn't really land anybody. So I thought, why don't I just do like a sampler of just like five of my favorites? Not in specific order, but well, I will say the end of the episode, I'm pretty much going to say my favorite one out of the whole um, catalog of uh, Ghibli films. 
It's weird saying Ghibli because I've been saying Ghibli for a while. It sucks that I'm here by myself because like, nobody here can have a conversation with me about to call it Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli. Um, I don't, all right, let's put that behind us. Uh, but I want to do a sample of these films. I've been watching, I've been kind of re-watching the ones that I love, um, giving like a second or third watch to the ones that I hadn't seen in a while. Um and watching ones that I've never seen, because there still were a few that I had not seen. And when I got HBO Max, uh, I noticed there was a little section of all these films in there. Like, all, I believe it's all of my... Th- I want to say it's all of them. I feel like they're missing one or two, which might be tied up on other streaming platforms. But um, I, I found them, and I just kind of, like, briefly been going back and doing rewatches and whatnot, like I just said. And I want to talk about them, talk about my love for them, talk about some, I got some stories behind them. And, you know, I obviously, a couple days ago before this episode drops, I mentioned that we were doing an episode like this for the show. And I just wanted to hear people's favorites. A lot of them, you know, a lot of you guys mentioned the same ones. And that's completely fine because those ones are fucking awesome movies. Uh, but I found some ones that I wanted to talk about that, uh, you know, probably don't get a lot of love or get a lot of. I won't say critiques or just get a lot of attention, but um, I am going to start this episode off, this little sampler of these films, and uh, with probably one of the most popular ones of the um, that the studio has released, and that is none other than Spirited Away. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli film. Honey, don't take a shortcut. You always get us lost. From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki. Come on, let's go in. I want to see what's on the other side. Where are you going? Hey! It's time just a quick look. Now, what's the sound? You should be here. Get out of here now. What? Leave before it gets dark. You've got to get across the river. Go! I'll distract them. Official release date of August 31st, 2002 on Spirited Away, I believe. It also says 2001, so I'm not really sure. Maybe it's, you know, 2001 in Japan, 2002 in America. Uh, this is probably, you know, to kick things off, probably everybody's favorite. I think this is the film that maybe a lot of people, this and maybe one or two other ones, that even if you're not, you know, hardcore connoisseur Studio Ghibli uh, fans... You still probably know about Spirited Away. You still probably have heard about it. I, this won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature Film, I believe 2002 uh, or 2003 maybe. Um, this is just such a standout film. And I wanted to talk about it at the top of the show because, you know, everybody knows I probably was going to talk about Spirited Away if I'm talking about this studio. Uh, this is I, – I actually have a story to go with this that – doesn't really line up. It isn't sentimental. It actually involves me being kind of a pothead. So let me take you back to like 2013, I believe. I had seen a few Studio Ghibli films over over time, and uh, you know I liked them. I dug them, but I never saw Spirited Away. I, I didn't see Spirited Away till about 10 years after it came out, and this is 2013. I'm not doing much of my life at the time. I'm working on movie sets and. Uh, 
smoking a lot of uh, marijuana at the time in my life. And um, I was hanging out with a fellow pothead friend of mine. And we were both, you know, passing bong rips back and forth one evening. And one of the things me and this said friend would like to do uh, is because he knew about my DVD collection. He lived like around the block from me. So I just walk over to his house. We'd smoke pot and uh, I'd walk back to my house, get a collection of DVDs, have him pick which one we should watch. And we would just, you know, get some munchies, be kind of baked. I can't believe I'm telling this story. And watch this film. So, uh, or just, and just watch a movie. So, um, you know, we had both, you know, we were both pretty blazed one night. And uh, I, we just started talking about Spirited Away for some reason. He just starts, I don't even know how the hell we got on the topic. And I was like, dude, I've never seen Spirited Away. I've always wanted to see Spirited Away. I, I I'm kind of in, I was in like a mood to watch anime at the time, like good anime, good quality anime, which is what these films are. These are prestigious quality, beautiful artistic films that you just feel at your core. And you definitely feel it was spirited away. And obviously I'll get to the plot and everything and just how much it means to me in a minute. Let me just tell this stupid story about me being a pothead. Cause it's actually, I mean, this literally sounds like this could be a Harold and Kumar like kind of movie um <laughs> so you know we're, we're pretty baked and we're talking about spirited away and i was just like dude i want to see it like let's let's just let's try to find this movie like let's i will i will buy the fucking movie i will put it in my dvd collection let's go find this film and like i don't know where the hell to find spirited away like where do i go it was like seven o'clock at night on a wednesday like Places like Walmart, Best Buy, whatever other place I could get phys- my hands on some physical media at, at the time was like going to close in a couple hours. And we obviously needed our munchies. And we got some serious munchies that night. We drove out to um, uh, the hangar in Amherst, Massachusetts, which everybody who is from Western Mass knows about the hangar. We picked up a big stack of wings but on our way there we stopped at like every possible place where you could maybe find spirited away now mind you i was broke as shit i only had about 20 dollars like to my like on me like i paid for some of the food and like i had 20 dollars to last me to like friday and from his house to the hangar to pick up wings uh we stopped at walmart and there was there's two Walmarts between here and getting our food. Uh, stopped at the first Walmart. There's no fucking way. No offense to Walmart, but there's no fucking way Walmart was gonna carry be carrying Spirited Away. It's too prestigious of a movie. It wasn't a new release. Like there was no special box set out at the time. And we're just like baked off our ass walking around Walmart, rummaging through racks of DVDs and not finding Spirited Away. So Walmart's off the list. Next up, we drive. Uh, into town and get swing by a Newberry Comics. And if you're from Massachusetts, you know about Newberry Comics. Actually, you probably know about Newberry Comics even if you don't live in Massachusetts, but it's a big, you know, store with DVDs, physical media, clothes, comic book, cool nerd shit. Uh, oddly enough, it, they, they had like every Studio Ghibli film but Spirited Away. And I was like, fuck. So... <laughs> Our luck was running low. We drive, you know, the next town over is where the um, our, our wings were that we were getting. And uh, we stop at another Walmart, rummage through, you know, 
$5 bins, even though there's no way that it would ever be in a $5 bin. We rummage through everything and can't find it. Can't find it at all. Then there's the mall next door to um, this Walmart. Drive over there. There's a Best Buy in there. We go in there. And at this time, like Netflix and whatnot, we're kind of just starting to take off and become what they are today, all these streaming platforms. So, um, <laughs> so like Best Buy was kind of had very limited uh, DVD, Blu-ray, like catalog. It wasn't like what it used to be where they had rows upon rows of just Blu-rays you can buy. And I'm rummaging, we go in there and I'm thinking Best Buy has to have Spirited Away. They have to. Like Best Buy had some good shit at the time. Rummage around through there. Nope, no Spirited Away, nothing. And at this point, I'm I'm kind of giving up. I'm just like, fuck, man. Like, Spirited Away would have hit tonight. This this would have just been the bee's knees of movies for just, you know, feeling good, smoking pot, feeling good, having munchies with some friends, and enjoying some, like, beautiful, artistic, touches-your-soul anime. Good feels when you've been, you know, smoking the devil's lettuce, I guess. I give up. I give up. We left Best Buy. I'm just like, let's just go get our food, man. I don't know. We can just fucking watch Reservoir Dogs again for the 10th time. And then I see a Barnes & Noble. I forgot. Across the way. And I go, hmm. Barnes & Noble has things like Criterion Collection. A lot of these like special box sets and stuff. They're a little pricey. But I'm like, that's our last ditch effort. We go into Barnes & Noble, we go to the DVD Blu-ray section, we rummage around through... I, I make it sound like we, like, sprinted in there and made a mess of all these places. We didn't, but we were pretty... We were two stoners, like, really looking for our anime fix, and we just needed it. <laughs> and so, um... And all of a sudden, like, you know, we, we we find, like, the anime section. There's, you know, I forget what, Akira, and which I already seen, and Akira is also a great uh, fucking movie, by the way. Um, all these cool anime titles, and then, bam, there it is, Spirited Away. And, like, we lifted it up out of a this stack of DVDs like it was the fucking Holy Grail. And I was worshipping this thing, and I had never even seen it, but I just knew I needed to see Spirited Away on this night. And then I looked at the price, and it was, like, $35. <laughs> And remember, I had like 20 bucks to my name for like the next two days. And my friend who had just got a job as like an HVAC technician, so he was making a lot of good money. He just like, I was like, dude, it's $35, man. I can't afford that shit, dude. I only got $20 like cash to my name. He just grabbed it. He's like, nope, I got it. I'm buying it. <laughs> this is a guy who doesn't buy like DVDs like how I did. Like, you know, he, he had like 10 DVDs in his collection. Nope. Took it. Swiped his card. Bam, $35 later, he has a copy of Spirited Away that he's probably not going to watch a lot, but he was as gung-ho about this as I was. By the way, I know he probably doesn't listen to this show. I never see him on social media anymore. I haven't even talked to him in a while. That friend was Matt Pichette, um, if you ever get this to him. It's just a funny story. Uh, yeah, he, we just then we just fucking strolled and got our boneless wings, drove it back to his house. And spent two hours and four or five minutes, however long the movie is, watching Spirited Away. And that was literally one of the most memorable nights of doing bong rips, getting munchies, and watching movies. Now, anyway, for anybody who doesn't know what Spirited Away is, here's the plot. 
The film opens with a little 10-year-old girl uh, named Shahiro. And uh, she's, I guess, moving into a new home with her parents. Uh, she seems like kind of a little bit of a pain in the butt, but kind of in a good way. You know, I don't know. She's she's kind of a little wuss, if you ask me. But um, it's it's still cute. But <laughs> uh, her her she's driving in her car with her parents. She's in the back seat. Uh, you know, her dad's driving, and they got to take a little detour to get to the house. And they drive down this dirt path, and then they get you know stuck in the woods or something, and they stumble across this like abandoned theme park kind of place um it's just like i don't know, like a market too kind of thing like and it's 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 just done it looks like it's just like this cool little place and she happens to they're walking around and her parents just for some reason a big set of munchies more than i had the night i watched this <laughs> her dad and her mom just start woofing down on this food and they turn into pigs and pretty much what happens is little girl links up with this character. He's very mysterious, named uh, Haku, and he kind of gives her the four one one and explains that this park is a resort for supernatural beings who need a break from their time in the earthly realm. And in order for her to get her parents back and free herself from this place where she is, she's got to get a job at this like bathhouse there, and. Um, yeah, and it just kind of goes through through her experiences there and the characters there, and it's it's fucking it's a beautiful movie, and that's the thing with you know these kind of films they they just have these very um, I don't know like if you just re listen to what I just said this plot was her if you just re listen to what I said this plot was her parents turn into pigs and she's got to get a job at this bathhouse to try and free herself um, that just sounds kind of pretty fucking crazy but you know what it works it's a beautiful film uh the animation is typical miyazaki um you know looks like looks like watercolor paint in the background on these on these shots and there's just there's just so much going on and every time i've watched this film um it gets better and better and better and it really out of the uh studios ghibli ghibli whatever we're calling it (laughs) out of their catalog i feel like this is the standout one this is the one people kind of put really high on that pedestal and i see why like there's just something about it there's something about this story there's something about the character arcs and the culmination of the third act and just how simple of it simple it is but you just get just there's just so much to get invested in um the main character is just this scared little girl once she's kind of stuck in this ghostly realm with all these like supernatural beings and whatnot. Um, she's she's scared, but she also, she's scared at first, but she very much holds her own. And you know, there's a beautiful um, there's a beautiful like last like ten minutes where she gets on a train and is you know in this train ride with all these um, supernatural beings and whatnot going across water basically and like everything just looks like such a dream i mean this must be just something that miyazaki dreamed when uh you know he was piecing this thing together uh but spirited away streaming on hbo max like the rest of the catalog or most of the catalog is i don't know what more i can say about it um that hasn't been already said um go watch it or go watch it again most people will probably be watching it again because it's just so damn popular 
So next on my little list on uh, Ghibli Fest, this round I'm calling it Ghibli, <laughs> um, is one that I had never seen before. So I wanted to maybe mention it on the show today because this was a new watch for me out of their catalog. And that is a little movie with a runtime of an hour and 12 minutes. came out in 1993. It was like a made-for-television animated film in Japan um, called Ocean Waves. you know this is streaming on hbo max right now uh it is in japanese and um i don't know if there's a dubbed version anywhere on blu-ray or dvd but i I watched it in in japanese you know i I feel like you should always watch anime in its original language because sometimes it just hits better uh and and, you know dubbed anime also is completely fine by me i'm not going to get too too deep into that debate but i feel like you should always try to watch things in their native language at least once. Um, But Ocean Waves was a beautiful little coming-of-age film that um, hit a chord with me. I don't know how much I really, really enjoyed it. I I would probably maybe put it towards the end of my films in the catalog of that I like or dislike. And honestly, really, I don't dislike anything of that I've seen. But this is my first time seeing it. And the plot of this movie goes a little something like this. It's kind of a slice of life kind of film that we see a lot in um, uh, Japanese anime from time to time. Just kind of not really too much of a plot going on. You're just kind of following these characters with what's going on with them and the dynamic of these characters, I guess. Um, But it's about a a guy who's um, going back to Tokyo. Uh, for like a reunion with uh, high school friends and whatnot. It's been a few years since they've been out of high school. Some of them have gone off to college, you know, been pretty much moved all over Japan, it sounds like. But um, they're all meeting back up in Tokyo. And um, pretty much it goes back into some flashbacks about a, a, it seems like a slight love triangle between um, a few friends. One of them, uh, the main character, I believe his name is Taku, is involved in and this is not a miyazaki directed um studio uh, ghibli ghibli whatever we're calling it (laughs) Uh, this is not a miyazaki directed film and uh but which was interesting to me because i always kind of thought he just did every one of them but this is a pretty down-to-earth it's not a fantasy you know nothing science fiction nothing fantasy no creatures in the woods it's just about these people and there is such a slice of nostalgia that happens in the movie um, throughout these flashbacks. You know, I, I honestly, it kind of took me back to a time when I was 16 or 17 and I was experiencing dating and being in love for the first time or something and not, or wanting to be in love or something or 
meeting people, you know, meeting girls and whatnot and being enamored and being enthralled and also being absolutely heartbroken. And it just reminded me of different scenarios when I was a teenager and what you kind of go through. And, you know, I know the term the male gaze gets thrown around a lot. And this is kind of from a man's perspective. So the, the girl, the female character in the uh, in the film does kind of get this. Uh, she does seem very selfish. She does. You don't really get her side of anything because it's it's from this main character's perspective. And, you know, I'm sure that's one way of looking at it. Um, but I, that's kind of what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, eh, I'd like they're kind of portraying this uh, love interest character a little I feel like she's just annoying. She's negative. She doesn't know what she wants. She's dating one guy and keeping another guy in the friend zone. And while I'm thinking that the whole time, I'm going like, oh, I guess things are the same as they can be with dating in America as they are in Japan. You know, people can get stuck in these kind of triangles where one person wants another person but also wants to keep a person a friend kind of thing. I mean, you could argue those tropes in these kind of films get played out nowadays but this film also came out in 1993 um it does kind of have a typical rom-com ending i will give it away right now um it's not a big giveaway but you know he sees her at a train station the main character uh, taku sees her i don't have the female character's name on in front of me right now but he sees her at the train station you know and he uh you know He's on one side of the station. He sees her across the tracks on the other side. So he, like, sprints down some stairs, um, runs back over upstairs, and, like, doesn't see her at first. And then, like, there's this kind of, you know, beauty shot of, bam, there she is, and the movie ends. Uh, you know, typical tropes like that. But something about the nostalgia that the film is trying to conjure up really struck a chord with me of just... You know, maybe being in your 20s now and starting to maybe venture away from the nest, but every now and then you have to go back to it and you reflect on times when you were young and being a teenager and people you were entangled with and whatnot. It's it's just kind of a beautiful take on it. And, you know, that's the thing about these films, you know, they just have a very heartfelt, really kind of beautiful message that comes through even just a simple slice of life movie like this. Um, there's a great scene where the two best friends who were kind of in the love tri- triangle early on are just sitting out on the coast watching the sunset, talking, catching up for the first time in about a year. And, you know, I just remember sitting there like longing for something like that again. I hadn't had, you know, I want something like that again. I just want, it's good to be out with a friend despite maybe any difficult past you may have had any things that have happened to you in the past it's kind of good sometimes to just catch up with someone and be out there like in front of a sunset or something like that and reflecting on things and whatnot and again it's the typical kind of uh ghibli um animation of just like stuff looking like like a watercolor painting in the background just the colors of this movie pop so beautifully. Um, highly recommend it. It's a quick watch. Like I said, hour and 12 minutes. And uh, that's Ocean Waves. So, yeah. So next up is one I had not seen in, gosh, I think since it came out. I was like a teenager. And it's crazy how this movie is not targeted at all towards 
teenagers. I shouldn't say that. I feel like these movies are targeted towards anybody and anybody will watch them because here I am a grown ass man and like I'm watching this one I'm about to say right now and I cannot wait to show it to my daughter in a couple years. Originally released in 1988. And yet I'm also seeing a release date of May 7th, 1993. I believe that was in the United States. But strangely enough, the voiceovers for the English dub of this movie are Dakota and Elle Fanning. And I'm pretty sure they must have... I'm pretty sure the younger one, Elle Fanning, wasn't even born yet. I, I don't know her exact date of birth. And I highly doubt Dakota Fanning was born born in 1993 so I feel like maybe did they do like another redub where they had like the two of them uh playing the young sisters anyway what I'm talking about is the uh my neighbor Totoro uh and this is such this is an adorable adorable movie I cannot wait to pop this on for my daughter in a couple years when she's aware of the television and that there's stuff on there. Um, however, it's it's a friendly and soft film, but some children might find it a little scary. I feel I feel like there were some things, I don't know, while I was watching it, maybe it's the horror film fan in my head of just going like, huh, like this is coming off kind of soft and friendly and lovable, but I just was like waiting for something to go completely fucking south and like like something to get really really dark and nothing ever really goes that far i mean there are some uh, incidents where you know drama takes place but um you know th there's some scenes where um we see how strong uh nature can be and these creatures that are discovered um you know can can be a little maybe intimidating or just off-putting at least that's what i did on some research here um, I literally looked up, you know, when should I show, you know, my child this movie? And there's a website that, uh, I think it's, uh, raisingchildren.net that talk about, uh, my neighbor Totoro and maybe when's a good time to, um, show it to your kids. So plot for the film is, um, this is going back to Miyazaki. Uh, this is a film that follows two schoolgirls, uh, they're young sisters and they move out to the country with their father as they're waiting for their mother to recover from an illness at the hospital. Um, the sisters explore their new home. They, you know, they definitely see that there's like, you know, maybe some, I don't want to say spooky kind of weird things going on, but you know, that there, there seems like there's a presence in the, um, in the woods and around them. And they encounter a playful, they encounter a few, uh, playful spirits in the house. And, um, one of them is most notably this big, like, cuddly creature that's taking a nap through half the movie called Totoro. Just like Ocean Waves, there is a nostalgia factor to this movie, I felt. I, I mean, in Ocean Waves, I kind of felt that teenage nostalgia of being young, having your whole life ahead of you, 
and, you know, building relationships with people. This takes it back a step even further. I just could not help but remember, you know, growing up, um, just running around, playing in the woods, just literally taking off from my parents and going exploring. That's just the kind of kid I was. And I think that's where I found so much enjoyment in the film. Um, now, I also wanted to just bring up the fact that, and I, I thought it was kind of weird. This was my first time visiting it uh, since I saw it, maybe when it got like an early 2000s release when um, the Fanning sisters did the voices. And I'm not sure like how exactly correct I am on that with my dates. Um, but the mother is sick in the hospital, and I feel like they never even actually addressed what was wrong with her. I, now, of course, th that sets up kind of some danger factor to it. Like, you know, oh, is the mom going to, you know, is the mom going to be a character that's killed off? Is, is it going to be anything like that? Um, spoiler alert, if you have not seen the movie, uh, scroll ahead about 10 seconds. Um, or scroll ahead to when I talk to the next when I talk about the next movie I watched. Um, but she doesn't die. She does not. She, like, th there's like a slight kind of moment where you think, you know, they're going to kill her off. But no. And then you, once, you know, you find out she doesn't die, you can't even think that they would even want to do something like that and kill off these little girl's mom. But I the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going like, well, what's wrong with her? Like, is, does she got cancer? Is she... Does she get a broken leg or so? like they show her in the hospital a few times um, Judging from some research I did. Yeah, I guess she had spinal tuberculosis and um, Yeah, I, I, I don't know if that's ever said I think it's implied a couple times in the film But I don't think they actually say that but I did a little digging and Miyazaki's mother I guess was uh, she suffered from spinal tuberculosis for nine years uh, when he was a little boy, and I guess she spent a lot of time in the hospital, and I guess that's where that came from, so that's a little bit of an autobiographical thing he puts in this film. So Totoro, the actual being, um, the, the cuddly creature that the girls find, I guess he exists as a metaphor to explain some of the mysteries of the world that go through the eyes of children, like hence uh, he's responsible for the wind, and he causes plants to grow through his dancing rituals. Where there's this great, cute little scene. The girls are trying to, you know, uh, grow some plants in their uh, in their in their backyard or something. And uh, what happens one night is they sneak out with Totoro and they do this crazy little dance, and it turns into this giant, giant, giant tree. Um, I don't necessarily understand why the father don't didn't really notice um, the fact that there's this giant 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 tree now in their lawn that wasn't there a day before but i don't know look it's like it's like this this movie is definitely more of a kids movie than something like spirited away or whatnot i don't know these are just some of my initial reactions i know i'm probably pissing off some diehard uh miyazaki fans who are listening to this um but totoro also acts as a source of comfort um you know, when the girl's father's away at work, and obviously when they're nervous about um, what might happen to their mother, he is kind of this comforting character. And I, I just think it's a beautiful, cute little thing. You know, I hadn't seen a movie, I guess now that I'm a parent, I, I kind of might be seeking out more stuff like this maybe than I had in the past. Um, 
yeah, I don't know more what else there is to say about it. I mean, I did some more research on this, and I guess this, I mean, this has definitely caught a huge following in America, but I guess this one is like, um, this movie has a strong emphasis on Japanese culture. Um, it's more popular in Japan than it is in the United States. Uh, like, this is just such a worshipped character over that way uh way more than it is here and i don't know i guess i can see why that there's there's a lot of kind of cool elements of um 1950s japanese culture which i think this is when the film takes place and i don't know i I definitely just identified with it i had a lot of fun like i said i can't wait to maybe show my little kid it one day Uh, hopefully she doesn't get too creeped out and um yeah, that's my take on it. Now, next up, last but definitely not least, is probably my favorite that uh, Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, whatever we're ta- whatever we're calling it. I'm probably pissing off so many diehard fans of, <laughs> of these movies um, by calling it one or the other. I'm calling it both, okay, because I've just heard it split down the middle on the internet. And I'm obviously not a, you know, there are people out there that like live and die by these films, okay? As you can probably clearly tell by the last 35 minutes, I love these movies, but I don't like, my lifestyle is not created around them, but I definitely love these movies and appreciate them. And I wanted to do an episode about them because they are just iconic. And I know throughout the year they are hitting uh, big screens, which by the way, should go out and see you know, under safety precautions or whatever we're doing these days. Anyway, back to my favorite, my personal favorite that this studio has released out of their, I think it's got to be close to like 20 films by now. Um, This is, again, another popular one. I feel like people say Spirited Away or they say this one um, over and over again. And um, I go with this one and I got a story behind it and everything and all. It's not as funny as me getting really baked one night and looking for and going out to get honey barbecue boneless wings and sitting around and watching this movie. Uh, this is none other than 1997's Princess Mononoke. In a time when gods walk the earth, an epic battle rages between the encroaching civilization of man and the gods of the forest. The forest has been cleared and the wolves wiped out. This place will be the richest land in the world. Now, the fate of the world rests on the courage of one fearless princess. I'm not afraid to die, and I would do anything to get the humans out of here. And one brave warrior. Fight like a demon, boy. Like something possessed. What exactly are you here for? To see with eyes unclouded. I hate. Now watch closely, everyone. I'm going to show you how to kill a god. Fire! Claire Danes, Minnie Driver, Jada Pinkett Smith, 
Billy Bob Thornton. You cannot alter your fate. However, you can rise to meet it if you choose. Princess Mononoke. Now, I love Spirited Away, and I love all the other ones that I've mentioned on this show, and there's ones that I didn't get to mention. I don't want to do a two-hour episode on this stuff when I maybe don't know too much about what I'm talking about with the lore of these movies and whatnot, and maybe I'll come back and do a part two on this at some point. I mean, I've seen other pretty much all the other films, but like I wanted to go with like the standout ones. And Princess Mononoke goes way back to maybe a couple years after it got its initial U.S. release, probably late 90s or something. I don't know if it was... I definitely was a kid. I definitely was a kid. It was maybe 1999, early 2000s. Um, Because I remember I have this faint memory of being home sick, sitting on the couch or I don't know, maybe I was in my room and I had a TV and I had my VCR or something. Maybe I briefly, well, I didn't watch it on tape yet. Um, but I, it, maybe it was on the couch. I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm diving too far into specifics. That doesn't really matter, but I was homesick and we had the stars channel at the time. You know, my, my parents bounced back and forth between, We'd do HBO for a while, then we'd drop that and do Stars, and then we'd go back to HBO because, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but we had Stars at the time, and there it was one day, Princess Mononoke. I think I maybe had started watching it about 10, 15 minutes in. I missed, like, the opening really set up for what the hell this movie and the main character, Ashitaka, why he is on this quest. Um and I just, I, it hooked me immediately. A, at the time in my life, I was seeking out a lot of anime. I feel like I always go back to uh, Studio Ghibli, Studio Ghibli, whatever we're calling it. Uh, <laughs> I go back to these films when I'm seeking out a lot of anime in my life. I go through anime spurts. And I definitely was watching Cartoon Network at the time, had Toonami, as some remember. I was watching Dragon Ball Z religiously. I was watching Gundam Wing. Uh, Tenchi in Tokyo or Tenchi Universe, Outlaw Star, I think was on there. I don't think Cowboy Bebop was on there yet. But anywho, um, I just was seeking out a lot of anime. So anytime I'd like see anime on TV, I'd stop and I'd watch it. So here's Princess Mononoke about 15 minutes into the movie. I'm sitting at home under covers, uh, sick as a dog. And I sat through this whole damn thing. And thought even at a young age that that was one of the most beautiful animated feature films I had ever seen. On God, no cap. Whatever the kids are t- saying these days, <laughs> whatever the kids are saying these days, uh, it is. It was just a beautiful film, and I revisit this movie every few years. Every time, it's just one of those films where. If it's on, if I scroll past it on streaming, just something. If I catch a Blu-ray at a store out of the corner of my eye. I mean, I, I don't have it anymore. I don't think I own it anymore, physical copy-wise. Maybe I do. I don't know if I do or not. Um, but it's one of those movie that's, movies that stops me in my tracks. And, you know, when I was preparing to do this episode and whatnot, obviously I know I needed to talk about Princess Mononoke. Um, it is just a beautiful film that the older you get, the more you find even 
deeper messages going on. I feel like that's what separates it from Spirited Away for me. I know there's a, die, a boatload of diehard Spirited Away fans out here listening to this and whatnot. But for me, um, it's Princess Mononoke. I revisited it. Like I, when I revisited it, um, I just was so enamored with it. It just, the, the story meant so much more to me. So I should probably tell you for anybody who doesn't know what the plot line is to this film. Um, it takes place in the 14th century Japan. There is a harmony between humans and animals and gods that has begun to crumble. Um, our protagonist, a young character by the name of Ashitaka, is infected by an animal. Um, and that's that was the first 10, 15 minutes that I missed the first time I watched it. Um, it was a possessed animal by like a, a demon or something. And that demon, part of that demon is now latched onto Ashitaka. And he like has it on its arm and it's starting to take over his body and everything. And so now he seeks a cure from a deer-like god. Now, what he has to do um, is, you know, go out and find this deer-like god before it kills him. And in the meantime, what he does is he finds uh, pretty much a a group of militia, military or something of some sorts. Basically, humans just, you know, fucking shit up and whatnot. He links up with a woman who is basically raised by wolves, raised in nature, and is very understanding of... Um, what humans are doing to the world and the forest and the gods of the forest and all these things. And um, main character Ashitaka kind of tries to be some sort of a bridge between, you know, try to, he's trying to find resolution and whatnot between humans and animals to try and bring peace. But all it does is just make things worse. And all that does is just make me really sad. Like, just watching this movie and just seeing human beings screw stuff up even more out of greed and out of, you know, pride and um, arrogance and trying to conquer the world just makes me feel awful. You know, this is just one of those movies where there's conflict where it's just like, if people would just drop the ego for a minute, we'd probably get some form of a resolution. And we don't get that in Princess Mononoke. Um, it's a beautiful film, hands down. It, it is just a beautiful movie. Uh, once again, his name's been said multiple times. This is uh, directed again by Miyazaki. This also has a great dubbed in English uh, cast. A lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, familiar faces doing voices for this. Uh, doing Ashitaka is Billy Crudup. I never know how to pronounce his last name, but he, he, you recognize him. He plays Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen, a uh, Zack Snyder movie. Uh, he's on the morning show right now with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Um, he's been in a ton of things. Is like, you know, kind of the supporting role. But in this, he's the, he's the voice of Ashitaka. Claire Danes plays San... Um, Billy Bob Thornton pops up in there as a good supporting role. Uh, Minnie Driver plays Lady Eboshi. She's basically the villain of the movie. Um, Gillian Anderson playing Moro, the wolf god, I believe, or the giant wolf. Um, 
Uh, Keith David shows up in there uh, doing some voiceover work. And a uh, round of applause, Jada Pinkett Smith. I know there's some controversy around her as of late, but she is in there uh, doing voiceover voiceover as well. I think she plays one of the villagers in the um, the village that Ashitaka arrives, where she meets Lady Eboshi. Uh, yeah, the, the, it's kind of cool when I, you get like these big-time stars and you know they still are you know all these names are still very relevant to today um but they're doing these you know voiceovers and you know these anime films um yeah princess mononoke is just one of those movies i go back to once every couple years you know from the first time i saw it when i was at home sick i think about a couple years later i was in walmart and this is when i was going through like my first real big phase in my life of collecting uh, physical media that I, I saw. I remember I see, saw that on VHS, snatched it up, and I just went back to it so much. And it's just such a, you know, it's a movie about trying to maintain peace and trying to have some peace and have respect for um, nature and the land and, and the land that we live on, that we inhabit, and just have having some respect for. The, those things which is something that i also see in uh, my neighbor totoro like you just you kind of get that vibe in a lot of uh studio ghibli studio ghibli whatever we're calling it uh movies <laughs> so that about does it i mean i haven't really conquered the whole catalog uh and like i said and let me just also preference like i said earlier on i'm not like a whiz at this i don't know the lore of these movies you know, nothing like that, but I, I definitely have grown to become a fan, and um, I'm going to continue to kind of watch them over time, and I highly suggest you all, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope I didn't make any diehard fans of these films, like, too mad if I didn't seem like I knew what the fuck I was talking about, but I wanted to give it a shot. Um, uh, I don't know if... Um, you still call it Studio Ghibli or Studio Ghibli. But like I said, there's a fucking video I'm going to leave in the show notes of Miyazaki walking around saying uh, Studio Ghibli and people in Japan saying Studio Ghibli. So maybe Ghibli is an American thing. I'm trying not to be closed-minded about this. Uh, anyway, in the meantime, if you can go out to the movie theaters, check out these films that are playing here and there in select cities throughout the year. Uh, do just that, but also if you want to stay home, I'm pretty sure the entire catalog is streaming on HBO Max. And that is all for me today. Uh, enjoy some anime this week or something. Even if it's not these films, uh, go seek out some anime. I might have some more anime episodes coming on down the pipeline because I am a big fan of 70s and 80s and 90s retro, like, colorful fucking action, what the fuck anime films and I might cut an episode about that. I might not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, you know the routine. Leave a comment. Leave a rating. Leave a review um, for this show not to go into the abyss, and we will see you guys next week on The Basement. Take care.